This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. Good morning, New Zealand. Welcome to another roundup of Neville Rides Boundaries coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawke's Bay and Arrow Radio Masterton. And I'm Neville Wallace broadcasting from Hara. The aftermath of Auckland flood still lingers and today we talk with Lynn Webster, Northland dairy farmer, how she coped with that deluge of rain. Barbara Kurga is along with accounts of how the rain affected parts of her electorate of Taranaki King Country. Philip Duncan joins us with forecasts of continuing high temperatures with intermittent rain for the month of February. And to close the program, we have Jim Hopkins along to bring us a little bit of good humour. So sit back and listen to how Lynn Webster coped with all that rain. Well, this morning I'm talking with Northland farmer Lynn Webster, who has survived the relentless rain that flooded parts of New Zealand. Good morning, Lynn. Morning. Lynn, when did it occur to you you were in for a fairly rugged experience with the wild weather? Well, Cyclone Hail was the first one that got us. And um, it was a bit of an eye-opener. Um, they said we were going to get 44 mils of rain, and then we just got, like, absolute deluge, and the farm went underwater. But it was pretty short-lived, and then we sort of come back up to the surface again, and then um, at the end of last week, that bad weather that wasted Auckland City um, devastated this farm as well. So we're still underwater here. So up until this time, your season was been a fairly unusual one because you were still growing grass, I take it. Well, it's, that's the plus side of all this rain. The grass grows is amazing. So normally in Northland, you'd be um, looking for a dry summer. So I tried to counterbalance that by putting in six hectares of crops. So that's a couple of paddocks of chicory and three paddocks of turnips. And it was so wet... The contractors couldn't get here to put the crops in. Um, I wanted them to go in early October. Then early November, they got like about a one-day opportunity where the ground was dry enough to get onto and it wasn't actually raining. And I was so lucky because they just zipped in here and did my crops. So I've got the chicory isn't that great. The turnips are fantastic. But I probably don't even really need them because the grass is just going gangbusters. Yeah. But then the grass might die though because it's been uh, underwater for four days on my flats. <laughs> now, Lynn, are you able to describe your farm? I don't want its exact locality, but is it a flat farm? Has it got hills on it? Has it got, you know, rivers running through it and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's um, a river called the Hotio River is one of my boundaries. And there's river flats, which is about two-thirds of the farm. And that's what's underwater at the moment. Um, and it's threatening the cow shed. So the water's lapping quite close to the cow shed. And because of the Hotio River is also a tidal river, so whatever's happening on the Kaipara side affects the um, water level. And so you might think you're okay because the rain stopped and the water's receding, but you can't be fooled because when high tide comes, everything comes back again. 
and everything's under like the road, um, the ro- main road to Mangawai is under, um, like I said, it's lapping my cow shed and the flats, uh, two-thirds of the farm is flat um, and that's been under, yeah. Mm-hmm. So usually it's sort of under and then it goes away again, but like yeah. this time it's stuck around the water. Um, and I'm like talking, it's over the top of the troughs mm-hmm. and it's flowing like a river. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've got a red, um, a red weather alert for tomorrow. So there's going to be the worst weather they've ever had in Northland apparently going to hit tomorrow. They've never had a red alert before. Mm-hmm. So that Met Service has done a red alert and so now, well, I'm already flooded up to the gunnels and then tomorrow's going to be the worst weather ever. Yeah. When that rain started the last lot, Lynn, can you, how hard was it raining or was it a steady rain? Was there any wind with it? And was it cold? No, cyclone hail, that was horrible. That was like when you get wind and rain together, it yeah. just ruins your life. I don't, a bit of rain on its own is not that bad. Wind is terrible. The roof of the house here has been blown off. Um, and trees were down, but that wasn't even cyclone hail. That was just uh, another bit of bad weather we had. <laughs> um, yeah, so and the thing, the last bit of rain we had was just rain, but that's caused massive flooding, and it's caused a lot of slips and stuff, not on this farm, but the um, State Highway 1 runs right through the middle of this farm, oh. and the State Highway 1 was closed, and they couldn't get through Dome Valley, and everything was backed up right through Wellsford. Thousands and thousands of travellers stuck. Trucks were actually jettisoning their trailers and just leaving them on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, and there was about 150 people stuck at Caltex um, in Wellsford, and they ended up taking them in at the community centre, which was real nice of the Wellsford people. Did you lose any stock with that last downpour, Lynn? Well, unfortunately, I did. So um, I, I do have a few um, steeper paddocks that I can put cows in when I know... If I know there's more than 10 mils of rain in the forecast, I can't use those flats. So I've got other alternatives. So the house is up on a hill. So I put the cows in a paddock right by the house so I could keep an eye on them. Um, I went and milked in the morning and I thought, oh, that's great, I've um, escaped without any losses. But then when I drove back past the paddock from a different direction, there was a cow that had died and it was sort of stuck in, its head was sort of stuck in a culvert. So I don't know, I think that, I think, like, they said it was going to be 44 mils, but I think it was over 200. And, like, the hills here... Um, they've got limestone underneath them, so the water just rips over the topsoil because it mustn't be able to get away down. Uh, and so when it rains, my hills are just running with water, um, and I think that cow must have gotten swept, swept uh, down into the yeah. into the culvert, which is awful. Yeah, now just to finish with, then, what's the community spirit like? At the, you told us a little bit about the uh, trapped travellers. Yeah, well, they obviously looked after um, the people that were stuck in their cars. Yeah. 
So I would say the community spirit's obviously strong, but I'm quite new to the area as well um, because it's just my first year she milking on this farm, so I don't know anybody. But a nice thing happened this morning. I just arrived home after milking um, all wet and annoyed, and there was a, a lady... Um, came down the driveway and she said, oh, hi, I'm Marion. She said, I travelled Dome Valley, she said, and I've looked and seen you working. She said, you work so hard. And she said, I've made up this parcel for you of groceries. And so she handed me this big carton full of groceries and went away. And, well, she gave me eggs, meat, cheese, chocolate, and this lovely personal card that she'd written just saying, you know, I realise that you work hard and good on you, um, keep your chin up sort of thing. Oh, so that blew me away. Oh, that's very good. Well, thank you, Lynn Webster. That was a very interesting story. Keep your spirits up and go well, my friend. We'll be thinking of you. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully I don't have to build an ark. Yeah, here's Barbara Kuriger with the Roundup King Country News. Well, good morning, Barbara Kuriger, and how did your electorate fare over the wet weather we've had just lately? Yeah, good morning, Neville. Um, look, in parts, uh, uh, not so good. Uh, Tikawiti was underwater uh, in the centre, right in the centre of town, actually. The, um, the river came up along the Esplanade, so uh, that caused a bit of a worry, and houses were evacuated through there. There's a lot of water lying around in the King Country, probably as much as as anywhere. Uh, the other area that came off uh, not so well was the road out to Raglan. Uh, that's uh, all full of cracks, and um, pretty much it was down to one lane, and now it, uh, they've closed it off. It's just too dangerous for people to drive on. So it sort of reminds me of what's going on up and around Coromandel. Uh, and while we've focused a lot uh, on Auckland, and we really have to give our thoughts to those people in Auckland who have had houses sliding down hills, and um, some people have lost their lives, certainly in Coromandel, while the housing thing hasn't been quite so bad, uh, it, I don't know how long it's going to take to get their roads uh, under repair. So, um, yeah, look, we haven't escaped uh, it in, in our electorate either, but what's strikingly obvious at the moment is that you start in the north of the country, uh, and particularly around Auckland, Coromandel, and it just doesn't stop raining. And then you go down to the places like uh, Otago and Southland and uh, they just don't actually see any rain at the moment. So West Coast was a bit the same, uh, but I uh, think the West Coast uh, got some yesterday. But, uh, you know, another drought in Southland while Auckland's getting inundated. Our new weather patterns aren't that kind, really, to um, to a whole lot of people. Uh, it's also been an interesting week for the kids to go back to school. Uh, there would have been a lot of parents uh, quite excited about that, about um, kids going back to school. And then, of course, there was that little bit of an issue in Auckland as to whether they could or whether they couldn't or whether it was up to the schools or, you know, trying to slow down the public transport of getting the kids to school and, and keeping them away. So I had uh, grandchild number five. Uh, started school this week, little Wyatt. Uh, he was very excited. He had his last day at his daycare centre in Fielding and then off to school with his big sister. So that's pretty cool. I'm very excited. It, it sort of makes you feel that time passes far too quickly when all of a sudden uh, a little neonatal baby starts school and you realise that, um, that five years have gone by. 
Um, yeah, the public would be uh, rather interested at the moment when you think about uh, a lot of the uh, politics that's going on because Parliament actually doesn't start for another week. Uh, and so most of us are really out and about in our electorates at the moment and doing other things. And, of course, um, you would have seen uh, Ratana going on, uh, Waitangi is going on. We've had a change of Prime Minister, uh, lots of talk about policy and what's going to happen uh, with policy. Uh, but in actual fact, Parliament hasn't started yet, and it starts again on the 14th of February. So uh, it's been quite an active political year, given, given that the political year hasn't uh, actually started at this point in time, so, uh, you know, more to come on that one. Um, there's, in terms of rural stuff, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of movement in the price of fertiliser, but I've also seen some uh, stories out this week uh, around shipping and um, global freight, and, you know, we're still a little country at the bottom of the world, and that's lovely. Uh, but it does keep us, uh, make us vulnerable when it comes to shipping, uh, and that's a big thing that needs to be uh, thought out for this country, not just for the bringing in of fertiliser, but also for getting our products out, because um, you know it's it's quite a um, it, it's quite easy for a ship if it's busy and it's on a timetable to go. Oh, I don't need to go to New Zealand. I'll just cut that out and go somewhere else. So getting control over our own destiny uh, will be uh, something that we. Need need to really focus on for the future. It's really sort of been exacerbated during COVID, uh, but it's actually um, a problem that's probably going to continue for some time to come. Uh, rural crime uh, is always on the increase, uh, but it's sort of been a bit overshadowed in the mainstream news of late because of, you know, the ram raids and all of the things that are going on. And, you know, our rural towns haven't escaped some of that either, but they're not the main targets of it. But while that's going on, um, we've still got people going around uh, in rural. And, uh, you know, I have to give credit to our police who are doing everything they can. Uh, there's so much going on. They're just absolutely trying to keep up at the moment. And the amount of issues they've got to deal with, it's a pretty big struggle for them uh, to get to them all. Uh, a lot of talk lately about the price of eggs, uh, too, Neville, and I guess we knew... Uh, well, Christmas uh, may be issue a bit bigger Christmas and New Year because people do uh, use more eggs, but it uh, timed at the same time uh, as new rules came around around um, hens and cages. And so, you know, there are some egg producers that really are under the pump in terms of spending big money on their businesses uh, to be able to meet the new requirements. And uh, a couple of weekends ago, I was out at the Wonga Momina Republic Day, and they had a couple of dozen free-range eggs out there in their auction. And uh, as good local MPs do, we support auctions. And uh, I actually paid $45 for two dozen uh, free-range eggs. Now, I know they're as scarce as hens teeth, but it wasn't really about the price of the eggs. It was more about making a donation. But I tell you what, these eggs were very good, really been enjoying them. So uh, thanks to the people in Wonga Momina. And uh, that's pretty much it from me this week, Neville. Oh, well done. Thank you, Barbara. A man we should all take some notice from is Philip Duncan. Whether you want to cut hay, do the washing or even mow the lawns, you want to make sure you're not going to get wet when you do the job. Well, good morning, Philip Duncan. What's the weather like up there? Because it's not too bad down here, but uh, you're the fellow looking at all the uh, results from around the world. What's it shaping up like? 
Well, uh, hi, Neville. Well, yeah, after the last week we've had up here in Auckland, um, it's been nice to sort of see just a, just a few normal showers around and uh, some very hot, humid weather lately. Um, nice to see that easing a wee bit too. So it's been um, a typical, you know, when someone says to me, what's La Nina like in summer? What's the worst case La Nina summer, you know, scenario? I, uh, I can point to the last seven days and say that. You know, that, it's just so, so much rain, uh, so slow moving, blocked by this big, big high pressure system that was out over the Chatham Islands. And that same high has been bringing the South Island beautiful weather just up until Waitangi weekend. And now it's a bit of the old switcheroo, finally the South Island getting the unsettled weather pattern and the upper North Island seeing more of the settled, drier, calmer weather. So I think that's a good sign and and hopefully a sign of, of more things to come. Not, not saying that I want more severe weather in the south, but just more rain in the south would be good as it's getting very dry in parts of the South Island now. Well, it depends on your trade, doesn't it? And uh, you know, farming, I would say, up in the North Island, unless you're up in the extreme. I was just talking to a client up in uh, Wangarei Way, saying it was the best grass-growing season we've ever had, and now we've got grass that's uh, been drowned. <laughs> and, you know, all those sort of little hiccups, Philip, so you can't have it both ways. No, and I mean, it's quite interesting to see, um, when you look at the map of New Zealand, the soil moisture map, um, which we've got on rural weather, the, the upper north, or sorry, the whole, most of the, most of the North Island, with the exception of about Manawatu to Wellington, um, is, is in the blue colouring. And not the light blue, the dark blue, which means basically, yeah, you've got water sitting on the top of the ground. Um, or at least, you know, very close to it. So the North Island soil moisture levels saturated. The South Island, um, large areas are in the red, and uh, that include, well, up until recently, that included the West Coast. I used to get, I was getting phone calls from Greymouth with people saying, we've got, you know, sprinkler bans and hose bans, when, uh, when's the drought going to be announced? And I said, <laughs> I think you won't get it, I just think there's going to be some rain, and sure enough, you know, they've got something like 300 millimetres forecast for the first 15 days of February, but on the other side of the Southern Alps, Canterbury's got about you know, five to ten. So it's it's uh, it's Canterbury is probably going to be the one area that we keep a close eye on drought-wise as we go through uh, into March. Now, Philip, you probably get a lot of uh, questions, comments from all over New Zealand. What's the uh, growing conditions? Whether you're growing grass, whether you're growing fruit, or whether you're growing vegetables, how's it all panning out for those folk? Well, so over December and much of January, the first half of January, we mostly had positive comments from people. Uh, farmers in the South Island saying this is the best summer we've ever had or have had in a long time. Um, they were happy with the rain that fell in spring so they could go away and have their summer holidays and not have to worry about the crops or the farm. So that was really good. But there's been a change in the last two weeks where the South Island's tipped into that it's too dry category. And the North Island's done the opposite. And so we're hearing now from, from people in the North Island, this rain is getting, it's, it's a problem now for us. Um, there are a lot of farmers that had damage to their properties. Um, thankfully, not so much in the way of stock loss, but certainly equipment and bridges and fences and slips and things like that. So a lot of issues there. And then, as I say, in the South, we've got um, some crops that have, I don't know if failed is the right word, but maybe some crops haven't quite been as, as, uh, as, as 
healthy and, and as thick and as great as you would like for this time of the year. I forgot the word that I was trying to find, but you know what I'm saying. So it's, um, yeah, we've probably just gone a little bit too dry in the south and a, and a lot too wet in the north. And so I'm hoping that this, this weather pattern, little bit weather pattern change we're seeing is just enough to help balance the books. La Nina is fading away, but the weather pattern is taking much longer. And so we're still going to see these heavy rainmakers around some parts of the country. But I do think the more we head in towards uh, autumn, the more we're going to see that sort of autumn weather pattern coming in with westerlies and cold fronts and things like that. Oh, well done. And thank you for your time today, Philip Duncan. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Now sit back and listen to James Hopkins describe some of recent issues that have taken place in New Zealand and abroad as well. But we're off to steampunk capital of New Zealand where we catch up with Jim Hopkins. Compliments of the season to you, James. How are you? Oh, look, I'm absolutely splendid, Nevin, and, and joy, overjoyed to be speaking with you and yours. How's the gorgeous Shona, and how are all the other little Nevs? Are they happy in the Nevs? Oh, everybody survived Christmas, be it one way or t'other, but never mind uh, bearing up under the strain of... Living in this fast age that we now live in, Jim. <laughs> and did you get all the socks and underpants you wanted? Because that's all the blokes get for Christmas, isn't it? Socks and underpants, and we have to pretend to be excited. Oh, just what I've always wanted. More oh, socks, yes. more underpants. Now, talking about <laughs> gifts, wasn't, yes, yes. wasn't that a bit uh, off by the Americans to uh, shoot the Chinese New Year balloon down? <laughs> well, no, um... I mean, uh, I don't suppose you can shoot satellites down. I rather suspect that airspace or that sovereignty uh, has enough a limit. You know, in other words, where the atmosphere ends, so does your ability to dictate what might occur or go on uh, within that envelope, so to speak. But, I mean, this very large balloon thing did sort of noodle over the United States for some considerable number of days, and it seemed to stop for a suspiciously long period of time. Sensitive military bases. So, so, I mean, you can't really blame the Yanks for sort of saying, um, uh, we're not terribly happy about this. We might shoot it down. The Chinese, of course, did the sensible thing and said, oh, oh look, it's just a weather balloon straight off course. Which reminded me, you may remember many, 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 many years ago, back in the last century, when the Russians actually managed to shoot down a U-2 spy plane piloted by the U.S. pilot Gary Powers. That's the one, and, yeah. And, and, the, and the big U.S. story at the time was, oh, oh, gosh, oh, sorry, oh, no, look, it was just a weather, it was just doing <laughs> some weather research, and it, and it went off course. Oh, um, we're terribly sorry, please, can we have our pilot back? Um, <laughs> I don't think the Chinese need, <laughs> need to get their pilot back, because I don't think there was one. More but, um, but, no, I think the Americans, uh, personally, um, uh, I know that there's various people in America were getting quite <coughs> hysterical about, you know, the need to shoot it down. But, I mean, if it's the size of a city bus or something, then, I mean, a, a large amount of ironmongery could have come whistling out of the sky and landed on unsuspecting American citizens' heads and caused them a not inconsiderable amount of pain and discomfort. So... Um, I'd be inclined to say that, that it was probably prudent to wait till it was offshore and, and pop its clogs in, while it was still within territorial waters, which I understand to be the case. 
Yes. Yeah, mm. Now, we're done with them. Let's get back to something at home. Why, Tanya? I was, yes. I was impressed with what Seymour said up there the first time he spoke in his native tongue. And uh, we heard him tonight. Would you just like to remember or repeat what he said, Jim? Oh, because well, I well, thought everyone, that was bloody great. Well, everyone was saying prayers. And... Uh, and um, I think Mr. Hitchens, Mr. Tiffy's prayer was we all have to be nice to each other or work together or <laughs> something of the sort. And Shane uh, 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 Ritty said um, that the, the Lord commanded there not be division between everyone, which was a quite a nice. And in each case, it seemed quite appropriate to each political leader. And then I think David's prayer was grant us prosperity, although right now we'd settle for affordability, <laughs> which, I, which I think might have been an ad lib. A wee bit naughty, a wee bit naughty if you're praying to the almighty David, a wee bit naughty. But it got him on the telly. <laughs> that's for sure, that's for sure. And I just sort of think that guy's very refreshing whenever he opens his mouth, Jim. Yes, yes. Oh, it's an extraordinary year, eh? I mean, who'd have, who'd have thought at the beginning of the year that... Uh, that we were going to get in the middle of January a Prime Minister who, who sort of said, Hello, that's it, I'm off. I mean, here she was, she told us in December she was fighting for it and ready to go and was going to be back for another full three-year term. And then, bingo, all of a sudden, there was nothing left in the tank and she was exiting stage left. <laughs> well, now you've brought up a subject that's very close to everybody's why did she jump ship? But uh, why well, did she well, jump or was she pushed? There's, well, exactly. I, I, that's, the, that's the ultimate question. The question that's emerged since uh, since the, her announcement was that um, that uh, maybe there was a sort of a meeting between uh, Chippy and Megan Woods and Grant Robertson who sort of got together with Jacinda a bit the way um, uh, various people, Mike Moore and others, got together with Alan Clark years ago. But anyway, apparently the three of them turned up and, at Jacinda's office and basically said the party was dead in the water if she stayed on. Now, if that's true, um, it was essentially all... Uh, it, well, effectively, she was pushed, or perhaps she jumped, but basically because um, if she hadn't jumped, maybe they would have pushed her. Who's to say? We will, we'll have to wait, I guess, for somebody's autobiography next. Yes. Remember, I mean, yes, um, Michael uh, Cullen and Mike Moore and... Uh, uh, oh, the, uh, Michael Bassett were, were, went to, I think, Rolling, along with David Longley, and basically said, Oi, sling your hook. And, um, and Rolling did, and uh, Longley came in, if you recall, and before we knew where we were, we had a Labour government, and Muldoon was out and Longley was in. Whether that'll happen in October or not is a moot point, but it certainly, uh, Certainly, it didn't seem as though it was going to happen if Jacinda had remained PMMM. Yeah, so that hat you wore, the MAGA hat, make our turn go away, happened, didn't it? <laughs> well, I suppose so, yes. Although, um, I mean, yes, according to some of the young ladies in the media, it was all horrid, nasty misogynists and people being spiteful, even though Jacinda herself said that wasn't the case. I mean, she insisted it wasn't. I mean, I have to say, you know, I don't look at social media very much at all. I think it's loathsome. But some of the stuff I've seen or seen quoted is undoubtedly nauseating and spiteful and personal and cowardly. I mean, anyone who won't put their name to a sort of a vicious personal attack is just a gutless little toady, in my view. 
But, I mean, the brutal fact of the matter is it's always been that way. I can remember back in the days when I was a journalist at, at, at Avalon, Muldoon, Piggy Muldoon, endured all manner of insults and allegations. I mean, poor old Don Brash. <laughs> if a bespectacled scholar goes to Waitangi and gets mud flown at him, well, who was it? Was it was it Stephen Joyce who had a dildo chucked at him? Oh, yeah. Well, Jim, thank you for that. We've run out of time. <laughs> As usual, we oh. don't have enough time, but thanks, and we'll enjoy the new year as it rolls out. Well, that's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed your Waitangi weekend, and we'll be back next week. Kakiti and no. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.